You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 26 of the Amen Corner. He's Stephen Cook. And he's still Brad Rothschild. And we've been gone for a while. I know, man. Two weeks. Two weeks. How was your trip? Uh, The trip was good. Good. Um, Productive. Germany Germany and then Israel. So first the Holocaust and then the rebirth of the Jewish state. That's nice. (laughs) Yes. So the Jewish state's having some trouble. Jewish state is having some trouble. I went to a uh, protest last Saturday night. Yeah. It's interesting watching. So this was many, in Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv, was it big? It was. I couldn't tell you the number of people, but it was tens of thousands easily. Right. Like there were. Right. It was. I mean, it's it been going, and it's been going on for like 16, 17 weeks. I think this week is seventeen. It felt like, um, you know, a few weeks ago before Passover, when Netanyahu announced that he was sacking the defense minister. Right. And then like 600,000 people, yeah. people came out. And that was at like midnight, like people right. poured into the streets. And then the and next that, day they shut down the whole country. Yeah. That was like, you know, that was, um, they, they sort of tried to temper things after that. Right. And they put the brakes on everything and the holiday, blah, right. blah, blah, didn't help. But anything. they, they set up it's this not, very controversial legislation to be passed quickly after they right. come back and right. then guess what? They come back to into session next tomorrow. week. Yeah, no, so April thirtieth. So, so really, it felt like um, while it was still exciting that there's so many people out, there's yeah. not a lot uh, going on with it yet. It's sort of right. like everybody then, is everybody is sort of out there saying like we're not going anywhere, but it's not quite as. Um, urgent as it was when right. Garland got fired and it's not as urgent as it will be uh, in the coming when weeks. The, when right the, wing brought out 200,000 people the other night. Yeah, but yeah, whatever. 200,000 is still a big number, but they had, a big said, number. they had called it a million person March. Right, so right, when right. you call it that and you don't get a million people, you set yourself up for failure. Yeah, but still 200,000, that's a pretty big deal. Yes, but you know, I I spent some time with uh, friends and family there, and of yeah. course, I talked to them about what's happening. Yeah, and it's pretty frightening listening to people who are Israeli to their core. Yeah, and who are expressing. But kind um, of kind of tell us what that means, Israeli to the core. Like they're they're loud. No, they that's not what I, no, that's not what I mean. At all. <laughs> I, I mean. They're patriotic in the uh-huh. best sense of the word. At right. least the people who I know, they're yeah. not nationalistic in like uh, my country, right or wrong. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not me, so I hate you. Right. But they're right. fiercely proud of being Israeli. Their identities, right. and you know, they're they only see themselves at home in Israel. Right. No matter how many other places they've lived, because yeah, yeah. some of them have lived overseas right. and some of them uh have grown up in different places but they all um they're all really fearful about the future of the country and what kind of country their kids are going to live in so, you're, so yeah go, go ahead. ahead no i interrupted no no so one of michelle's cousins uh her cousin tal 
who she and her family, they were on, um, they were in San Francisco and in uh-huh. Chicago for a while. You know, she was on uh, what it's called Shlichut in Hebrew. Uh, you know, she was an emissary right. for different organizations that she right. worked for. So, you know, her kids speak English and they're cosmopolitan. And I asked her, I'm like, so tell me, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I said, what do you think uh, is going to happen to Israel's democracy? And she said, this was the most interesting thing I heard, actually. She said, I think in 10 years, we're still going to have a democracy here. But I think in 30 years, we won't. Oh. I said, okay, so how does, so what does that mean for you? What does that mean for your kids? Right. And what are you going to do? And she said, I have no intention of leaving. And I have heard actually other people, I spoke to other people who said that they're investigating other possibilities right. Like right. in case things go south. Right. She said, I have no intention of leaving. She said, so we're going to stay here until the absolute last minute that we cannot be here any longer. Okay, so wait, hold on a yeah. second. I want to yeah. yeah, yeah. stop for a second. Yeah. And this is something you mentioned the other yeah. night over yeah. Peking Duck, yeah. which we'll okay. get to in a minute. Yeah. So what they're saying to you is we're less concerned about Hamas rocket fire or Hezbollah missiles or Iran's nuclear exactly, program exactly or right. the demographics of the Palestinians. And we're more concerned about the religious zealots well, who are in the government right now who are trying right. to undermine the checks and balances in the system the, yeah, to advance the, their own inherently anti-democratic, religiously informed agenda for Israel. I don't want to put words in any anybody's mouth. So right. nobody said like we're afraid of the religious people here. Right. But certainly they have no intention of living in a country that is not democratic. Right. Um, and, you know, she said... But we, to, is it fair to say that they characterize this issue as the biggest threat to the country? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. No okay. question. So like you said, they're not afraid of rockets coming from Gaza or Katusha's falling from uh, from the north or even Iran, like you right. said. They're not. They're more concerned with what kind of society and what kind of polity their children are going to live in. Like and, we are. About the yes, United States. Like, we, like we are. And, and Tal said to me, she's like, I don't want to live my life as a foreigner somewhere. I don't want to be right. a stranger in some in other place right. for the rest of my life. I, I mean, I, I don't yeah. understand that feeling, but like as the last, you know, five, six, seven years have unfolded and people have seriously talked about that, you say like, what, what does that look like? What, how do, this, it's difficult. Yes. And, it's and extremely difficult. L- listen, my grandparents were those people. They were refugees. My grandfather was over 50 years old when he came to the United States. And he never fit in here. He didn't speak English well. He had a thick accent. He wasn't. He was a successful businessman in Germany. And that did not translate right. to success here. Right. Right. His children, thankfully... You know, lived the American dream, fulfilled the American dream. But for him, for my grandfather and for my grandmother, they lived out the rest of their lives as strangers in a strange Let me tell you something. I I have this, you know, Syrian family who we've become close to. I I meet up with uh, with her every 
week. We spend an hour just speaking Arabic on current events mm-hmm. in the Middle East and stuff like that. And these are educated people who came from, you know, upper or upper middle class backgrounds. Yeah. And it's been very, very difficult. They have gotten, they're, they're now American citizens. They've embraced the American dream. They love fully it. At home. They'll and, never but, feel fully at home. But right? I mean, there are things like, you know, like um, he was having some, some heart issues. You know, they're like, like in their forties and fifties, they yeah. have kids, you know, a kid in high school, a kid out just out of high school. And like, it's hard, you know, they're making, they're making ends meet by stringing together jobs that are related to what they were doing when they lived in Syria, but, yeah. but they don't have healthcare. They don't have anything like that. So, so he was having some heart issues and it was like, they had to get to the clinic in DC and like, you know, when to get the, you can get an appointment with the heart specialist, but if you're a Medicaid patient, you have to wait even longer, you know, those kinds of things. And, and, and it was just so stressful for them. Yeah. Yeah. And look, those are big issues. And of course those are going to be stressful, right. but I think it's even more stressful is the little issues, the day to day. I don't quite understand exactly what goes on. What goes on. Right, right, right. Right. And look, you've been, you've lived over overseas. I've lived overseas. And even if you're really good in a language, there's still like, let's say 10 to 15 percent. No, no, no. I I don't know if you remember, but on, on Twitter, I used to have, uh, I used to have a little series called fun with Egyptian research associate. No. And so, oh yeah. So my Egyptian research associate, Amr, who's yeah. wonderful, yeah, who spoke, you know, English, like he was from the United States, but there yeah. were some like cultural things that he yeah. didn't get. And every now and again, he would come into my office and ask me yeah. like a question. He's like, you know, what does it mean when you say it's like fourth down in the fourth <laughs> quarter, you know, like stuff right. like that. It's just basic stuff that for us, it's intuitive and right. it's sort of like, you know, we grew up in the culture so it's just part of the language that we speak. It's in our, right. it's embedded in us that as a foreigner, no matter what country you're in, you're just not privy to that because you didn't grow up there. Right. And the language isn't second nature to you in the same way. So the yeah. cultural touchstones, exactly. like you and I, this whole podcast is based on these cultural <laughs> right. touchstones exactly. that you and I have. Now imagine we're us. And you're, we're now living by ourselves or with our families, but elsewhere. And we can make these references and nobody will get them. Or worse, right. reference similar references to people there are completely lost on us. And completely we're like, lost, right. What are you talking about? Right. And you feel no you feel like there's something missing in you, that you're you're just you're not no, 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 stupid. Absolutely. You're not dumb, but you feel like you're just not getting it. Getting it. You're just not getting it. Like, yeah, the cultural clues, all of those things. But that's gonna that's the feeling that you're gonna have for the yeah. rest of your life. I, I do I you know, it, it is funny because when you think about it, Americans have this way of speaking that I mean, and it's anywhere, but that is mutually intelligible no matter where you are. Right yeah. in the United States, and then you drop someone from Israel, from Syria, wherever, into the middle of this, and like, what? Yeah. Look, all of that being said, our soft, and you know, you, you as a political scientist, you talk about American soft power, which is our secret sauce, right. as Thomas Friedman would say. Um, but that's true because, like, people around the world watch America, consume American music, American movies, American TV shows. So yeah. it would be easier for us 
because people will understand our references more, but it would still be difficult for an American to go anywhere. I un, undoubtedly because yeah. we have cultural hegemony over in yes. the world. So yeah, people do have some clue, and we have we are absolutely absolutely clueless about it. Yeah, um, and then imagine living somewhere else and just being walking around slightly yeah, yeah, clueless yeah, right. all the time, all the time, all the time. Well, I just remember my first, you know, months anywhere I've lived abroad. It's like you gotta, you have to set your expectations low. You have to, under, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. You have to be goofy, and you have to be ready for that. You know, when insiders are talking about things that you have absolutely no idea what. Yes, it's completely and, lost in cultural translation. Part. And as di- and as difficult as that is, it's easier. You can be goofy when you have a job. Right, or when right. you have a goal, right, right, right. and it's a lot harder to be goofy when you're just trying to make it. When you've me. got a family and you're and you in your forties and you don't know what the fuck is going right. on, right? Yeah, I I give these I give my friends from Syria a lot of credit because you know easy. when they got here, people were like, oh, you can get jobs at like CVS and Giant and so, and they're like, you know, yeah. we that that's that's not the way we we're going to do this, uh, and they've persevered. It's been hard. Yes, I really, can really hard. Really, I can hard. imagine. Yeah. It's a good thing that they're in DC because there are actually, you know, opportunities for them. But it's still, it's been a long time, and it's just starting to come together now for them. So, and I hope it stays that way. Yeah, um, they got some good news before Ramadan, which was wonderful. Um, but we had our own little iftar the other night. <laughs> can you have iftar in a Chinese restaurant? <laughs> Is that kosher? It certainly it wasn't kosher. It certainly was not kosher. I'll tell it you. It was that definitely much. not kosher. Um, shout out to Peter McCall, yeah. a regular Amen Corner listener, long time my, listener, long time listener, one of my dear friends, one of my other friends who I, I made became friends with as an adult, which is unusual. Yeah. So yeah. you and Peter are in a rarefied yeah. group. Um, that yeah. restaurant was awesome, and that it was, was like it was total school. throwback, man. My God! It the felt noodles like the on the table and the spicy yeah. mustard and this was that saucy Susan. <laughs> it was the saucy Susan, what they called duck sauce, right? Yeah, the, Dude, the it was amazing. noodles with the spicy mustard. Uh-huh. And it's just I didn't like, get, I didn't get a chance to grab at this at the spicy mustard. That's my. I that's taste it. I, let it me was just exactly the same as it was in in New Jersey in the 1970s. It really was. Yeah, um, I'm not going to tell you that you're. First of all, it's not. A, don't feel badly that you didn't have it. Like it wasn't. It was good. Right, right, right. No, it no, was but, good, like, but like I wanted to be transported back to the. You wonton certainly would have, as your in nostrils. Seventy-five in Plainview, New York. Yes, as your nostrils were burning, you would have been transported back. But it was certainly like an old school, like not you know, uh, Szechuan food. Not you know. <laughs> it was like was an American Chinese food restaurant. With the, like, the really brusque service, it was super terrific. Nobody smiled at us the entire time. And, like, threw the plates down at us. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. That was a fun night. But that's Peter's place. Peter likes that place. and um, He ordered well. He did. Oh, man, that duck was good. It was good to see you in human form. Uh, (laughs) I haven't seen Peter in years since before the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Peter. It's, it's interesting. The two Jews and the Upper East Side mm. Gentile. <laughs> they don't come much waspier than Peter. I mean, but 
But that's why, like, and I'm saying that because I know he's listening. But that's why his political um, beliefs are so refreshing to hear them coming from somebody with that background. Peter's Peter's a radical, and you should hear Susan. Susan's like tear this shit down. I remember I was thinking about this today. Actually, I remember Uh the first time I met him. Yeah, was at some CFR luncheon, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is years ago. Right. First time I met him, like within the first 30 seconds, he's talking about Henry Kissinger being a war criminal. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it doesn't actually kind of compute at first because like he looks like he looks like he walked right out of like succession or something. Right. He's wearing a blazer. blazer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's looking very patrician. Because then he's talking about, you know, sailing. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Kissinger is a war criminal. By the way, did I tell you that I sailed to yeah. you know my, the boat from 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 Rhode Island to, to St. Martin or yeah. to to England or something like that? Yeah, yeah. totally, so totally it's, wild, it's totally refresh, interesting. It's refreshing. One but of again, the one of the best. I mean, that guy has read so much. Huh. Yeah, he'll call me and be like, "Have you read blah blah blah?" blah? And then like yeah. go on a treatise about it. You're like, "No." I was like, uh, I haven't read that. I haven't read that yeah. one yet. Let me get yeah, but, on that. But you know what? He asked us a question Yeah. Uh, about why we haven't tackled the issue of anti-Semitism on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you're so silent now. What happened? I know. It's like soul-crushing. Like, I don't want to talk about it. No, there's but like an anti-Semitic because... incident in the Montgomery County school systems every single day. Yeah, there's a lot. But... But it's interesting that that is the subject that he wanted to hear, that he wants to hear us talk about. Right, right. Um, and, you know, I think, and we didn't really touch on this at dinner because I, yeah. this is like going down a rabbit hole. I didn't, I don't necessarily want to get into talking about anti-Semitism because today it has become, anti-Semitism is so politicized right. that it's always turns into a referendum about Israel. Right, right. So yeah, it's very, very hard to just have a conversation about Jew hatred yes, without, without it being like, well, they said Israel's an apartheid state. And right. like let's separate out Israel. Right. Or is it was all anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism. Uh, right. Right. That's exactly. where the conversation inevitably goes. And it's like, you know what? Stephen and I know enough to know that we don't <laughs> want to talk about this very often. And, and it's part and, and part of it is the 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 I what is it IHRA definition? Yes, yes, of it, yes, exactly. Which, you know, people want which is problematic. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that there are aspects to it that are deeply problematic. I think anti-Zionism is something that anti-Semites like. I think the two definitely bleed into each other. Yeah, obviously. Yes, and stuff like that. But I think you're right in the sense that the IHRA definition. Is problematic because it's used as a as a cudgel. I knew you were going to use that word. I knew yeah. I knew you were going to say cudgel. I, I like, it took me I a like second. It. Yeah, but it was good. I was going right. to say cudgel. But the other thing is, like, they had a vote on it in the Montgomery County yeah. Council, which is like so. I think it's absurd. But I also felt like that there were some people who expressed reservations about it, and their motives were suspect because they were saying, "Well." I I just I think the whole thing is completely problematic from the get go when you start talking about Israel here. Yes, and so let's just talk about you know rank Jew hatred. Right, right. And that but, I mean, there's I mean, there's plenty to discuss, and then there's a, a lot not to discuss. Like 
what what new can we shed what where can we shed light on it that that offers some kind we of can. new way of thinking about it? We can't. I mean, look, it's not controversial for you and I to say like true hatred is bad, true hatred is wrong. We should right, and there's should. a lot more of it, and we know why. Right, and we know exactly why, and we know where it's coming from. Right, but again, when you throw in, then all of a sudden, you know, the pile on about anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Well, it's like, well, we're never going to... Then and, there's the other thing, which I also tweeted about this week. Ron DeSantis was in Israel and he was yes. meeting with all these people in Israel. And I tweeted, did anybody ask him about his constant use of Soros-backed prosecutors? No, because Netanyahu's, so son, but Netanyahu's son uses those no, same course, tropes. I, I, mean, I understand that, but like, it didn't have to be Yair Netanyahu or, or, or Netanyahu himself saying anything about it. It could have been anybody. Did anybody ask him about yeah. this? And so yeah. if it gets, if it, if it sort of gets, you know, shunted aside in Israel, well, then like, then it's not, is it, is it meaningful? Is it like, is it, you know, that should be, that should be a test. And the Israelis failed the test because it's so obviously conjuring anti-Semitic. It, it is anti-Semitism. Yes. Yes. But it's anti-Semitism when anybody uses it, including... So then, your how friend, can he get called friend, out for it? Your friend Alan Dershowitz, who says, "My because you hang out with him, walks down the beach past exactly. Me every you, hang oh, out, I get it. you hang out with him in the vineyard, I, but he himself said that not right. all attacks on George Soros are anti-Semitic because he's a, a self-hating Jew. No, he's, he's not religious. Um, no, no, no. I think it's because he's like a bad Jew, and that you know, there's always that that. Uh, canard that he collaborated with the Nazis oh, right. when he was a child in Budapest. <laughs> I it's forgot like, about that. It's because it's such utter bullshit. Right. But again, but right. on the right, they buy this right, right. But, sinker. So here's the thing. Like, there's all this fulminating against, you know, uh, BDS stuff and so on and so forth. But like, which is, you know, it, I, I think, you know, the BDS stuff is gone you know, I, I think it makes it unsafe, actually, for Jewish kids on on some college campuses. To be completely honest with you, but uh, and the and the and the discourse is extraordinarily dogmatic. But I think at the same time, if the Israelis are going to like freak out and have this whole ministry dedicated to combating BDS, don't you think they should say one word to the governor of Florida, which has a who has a huge Jewish constituency, to say, hey? You know, there's perfectly other acceptable words that you can use other than Soros-backed prosecutor. But it doesn't sound like the Jews in Florida are calling him out on that either. Like, I'm mystified by this. This is rank anti-Semitism. Mystified by it. He gets a pass everywhere. Everybody gets a pass when they say Soros. Do you know who's calling him out really hard on this one? I was flipping channels and I came across Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough went on a rant really? about DeSantis and saying Soros back really? prosecute. Yeah. And I feel like as like funny, go Joe, man. It's funny, in seven plus seasons of this show, I'm not sure that we ever referenced Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough. And, and, I was once on his show pre, pre Morning Joe. I was at Scarborough Country. He co-hosted on MSNBC with Patrick Buchanan. Jesus Christ. Those were the days. 2005, I think. I was that, must been, that must have been really early on. Like, he was a congressman until what year? Like, he, I don't remember, but he was, uh, he, 
I remember our friend Rich tangled with him a bit when he was when he was a member of Congress. He was like a righty, real righty yeah, member yeah, of Congress. Yeah, yeah. And Rich came before them to testify when he worked for uh, like public interest uh, group, and he said Scar was kind of a dick to him. But anyway, um, yeah, I was flipping channels, and there was Joe Scarborough just like going so, off on Ron DeSantis about his anti-Semitism. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I'll still I still won't watch him, but that's cool. I think he lives in your neighborhood. Uh, likely. I think, I feel like I saw That's him. That's why he's like particularly attuned because you right. live in like West Israel. I do. I live on the, I, I do. There are a lot of, there are a lot of Jews in my neighborhood. It's funny. It's interesting. And with all of the Jews in my neighborhood, we still don't have nearly as many anti-Semitic attacks as your school system seems to have. Fucking A. <laughs> it's really it's not horrible. Cool. I mean, Montgomery Every County. Day. Montgomery County, as we ten percent as we, as we of well Montgomery know, County is has Jewish. Lots of Jewish people, dude. If you want, if, if you want Judaism, just walk like a few blocks from my house. There's like uh, a few modern blocks. Orthodox. There's a Chabad. There's a Young Israel. I mean, forget, you can get like Judaism. Forget a few blocks. Walk outside of your house on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon, and you'll see all of your neighbors strolling <laughs> to the not, synagogue. Eh, it's not that. There, I, look, there are a few religious this people in the neighborhood. This is not Masoretic, but there are okay. some religious there are, folks which, which you don't expect, uh, you know, on... When, of course, on, I go on, speeding through the through the neighborhood, beeping my horn, get the fuck out of the way! Yeah, like, get off Whitey Ford Road. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm very respectful. I am. I'm sure you are. I am, but Lauren and I always laugh, because I was like, what took you so long? She's like, oh, Shabbat traffic. You know Which what I did? Funny to, for you non-Jews, you're not supposed to drive. People aren't supposed to drive, but actually, people drive to the modern Orthodox. And then synagogue. they park a couple blocks away. Yeah, yeah, in the neighborhoods. Of course, I, yeah. I'm friends I, with the former president of that synagogue, who used to be my intern, and his wife is now the president of the synagogue. And I'm like, dude, Ed is. It's like that's like I'm not kosher at home. I mean, I can yeah. eat pork outside the house. Dude, that trick is as old as Henry that Ford. Is bullshit. <laughs> And they're modern Orthodox, man. Yeah. They should not be driving. All right, man. Look, everybody. I don't judge anybody, man. Not Neither do I. But like, if you're going to be like literally holier than now, well, you know what I did this week, actually. What'd you do? Besides have Peking duck. Besides, I think it was the same day I had the Peking duck, so I atoned for that sin by making <laughs> up for it. You know, right down the the right downstairs from where we live, there's um, West Side Judaica. Yes, I yeah. have noticed it. Have you ever been in there? No. It's a Jewish bookstore and like other Judaic items. I don't think. Like I think. I think we've Yamaka like looked in the window. Well, you know they've been around forever. Yeah. So and it you looks, know, the store looks like it's been around forever. No, it's been and they're very nice. They're right. all they all drive in from Brooklyn. Uh huh. And I know a couple of the people who work there. And the right. other day I was walking. It was the afternoon, and I was walking past, and they're like. Hey, have you davened Mincha? Or do you want to join us for Mincha? Right. And I was like, do you need a 10th person for a minion? And they're like, yes. I'm like, sure. I'm happy to That's join cool. you for a minion. It's now, like, I would have said yes, but had no idea what to do. Oh, they'd give you a siddur and you fake your just way through. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, could bullshit, just, I could bullshit my way through Israel, so I could probably exactly. bullshit my way be, through a minion. All you have to do is just hold on to the to the prayer book and you'll be fine. <laughs> but it was just like, Amen. You know what? I used to do that when I worked at, when I worked at Citigroup. There was a, an Orthodox guy who I was Shiba! talking with. 
there was an Orthodox guy who I was friendly with. Yeah. And they had an afternoon minion. And I was like, look, man, I'm not coming usually, but if you need a body, if you need a 10th Jewish person, come like, grab me. I'm your guy. I will put down my yeah. ham and cheese sandwich. Exactly. I'm during your guy. lunchtime. I wasn't really eating a ham and cheese sandwich, but but your point is taken nevertheless. But that I feel like that that is like something I'm willing to do out of respect for people who believe things that I don't believe. You know, you inspired me. I want to be the tenth guy. I want to be the guy yeah, off yeah. the bench, man. You're, you're off the bench. I like, totally want to be. I'm going to be the tenth man of the year. Yeah. There you go. So that's that's awesome. So you yeah. dobbed. I mean, I I I participated in the service with them. I now, are these guys black hats? Are they knitted yarmulkes? No, no, no. They're, they... they're ultra orthodox. Oh. Oh, Pedro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? The whole... One of the guys I know... No furry hats, though. No furry No, 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 no. But one of these guys I've been friendly with for... Is his name like Perchik? No, his name is Noyach. Like Noach, but like with the little Yiddish inflection. Oh, the Noyach. Yiddish. I was like, it's, I, I know him now, uh, you know, close to 30 years that I've yeah. been... And, you know, he's got seven grandchildren now. But he's only this, like 50. He's a little, probably a little older than we are, but he, <laughs> he, seven he speaks fluent Hebrew. He was always conversant in like Israeli pop music. Like just, oh, that's he's, cool. He's a, he's a really nice guy. I don't think he's listening so to the he podcast. Speaks, how, how's his English? Great. His, English his, his Yiddish must be kicking. You know what? His Yiddish is top notch. Top notch Yiddish. <laughs> I don't think he's Hebrew. Like, I don't think he's an Amen Corner listener. Does he, does he have anything else? Is he a Yankee fan? Next, I, I never asked about sports. I but it was really pop, and not that I know yeah. anything about Israeli pop. No, but like you know, back in the day before, um, you know, when there were DVDs and before the internet right. was a big thing, like, you have like they, cassettes of Israeli pop. He would get DVDs from Israel. I'd be like, "Oh, you should check this one out," or "This is good stuff." Like, right? Yeah, he's he's all right. They're okay in there. I have nothing but, but love for All right, next people. time, next time yeah. I'm in your hood, I'm going in there. Yeah, we'll go and dominate. I'm going in because I want to be the tenth man. You can be the tenth man. Like, hey, you guys, you need a tenth. Yeah, They're like you need. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I'm your guy because I'm I'll, going for I'm going for tenth man of the year. Away. I'll be your guy. Yeah. <laughs> there's. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any place in D.C. where they, like they need a tenth man like that. You know, the thing yeah. is. I'm going to call a couple folks and just say, they would have you need a, a tenth man. They would have it a lot easier if they just counted women. Well, there's that. <laughs> there is there that. There is that. There is that. There, <laughs> there, I'm not going to name names, but when we were sitting Shiva for my father. Yeah. There were a I couple, remember that Shiva. There were a couple of- High quality smoked fish. I knew, I knew you were going to go for that. <laughs> there were a couple of people who wouldn't, be counted in our minion because we counted women. Like they wow. would not, they would not dominate with us. That's they would not. Like, I, it's kind of like alien to me. Like, why not? <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, maybe again, that I've been surrounded by strong women my entire life. But at the same time, like, wh I don't understand this kind of interpretation across religions. That I mean, because you are a liberal and you are godless. No, no, no. It's, it has nothing to do with like no, liberal no, or anything no. like that. You're, it has to do with like you're godless. humanity. You're godless. That's why. Well, this is like this is like I was wearing. Um, you didn't notice it. I was wearing a little. I was wearing my blue 
Oh, I did blazer. notice that you were wearing. Hold on, I'll tell you exactly. You said you didn't notice it. I'll tell you exactly what you were wearing. You're wearing right, a it. pin, a pin with a hanger with a lot with the X through it. Right, exactly. Right? Is that what you're talking yes. about that I didn't notice? Oh, you noticed it. Okay. I notice everything. What's well, funny? <laughs> I appreciate that you were looking at my lapel. Um, I, was, I was checking. So this you is out. my this is my subtle, you know, when it's not appropriate for me to be on the barricades. Yeah. Um, Pro choice message to the world is that I wear this little lapel pin yeah. that has the 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 wire hanger with the yeah. you know red slash through it and stuff like kind that. Kind of like the no bozos logo. Right. That we right. Exactly. From the, from the, exactly. <laughs> By the way, there is there is new Van Halen news, which we can discuss in a second. But um, it's it's funny because. I've had a couple of women come up to me and be like, what is that? And they like, don't know. And I'm like, take a good look at You're it. You're an ally. I'm an ally. And, either, and what it really that, is about, that or what is that? it's it like, pick up and I always say, it's like, my, I have daughters who don't have personal autonomy. Their sense of personhood. My 80, almost 85 year old mother had more rights for 50 of her eight, almost 85 years than my daughters have had and may have, you know, going forward. I said, I just, I thank goodness that I live in a blue state in which they've you know, now. added protections. But of course, the Republicans have said they're out for a national abortion yeah. ban. And once that's done, they're going to be I a thought that was, I thought the line was always it was supposed to be a states yeah. thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So anyway. So anyway. So that's all bullshit. It's, it's all about, I mean, and this is kind of based in religion. It's about controlling women. It's about exactly. no, authoritarianism. You are not going to hear me disagree with that. And that's why we call this the Amen Corner. Um, last thing, Van Halen news. Yeah. That I got from Greg Renoff, the world's leading Van Halen fan. Uh-huh. I cede that title to Greg. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, follow him on Twitter. So apparently, yeah. Michael Anthony has been in touch with Alex Van Halen, which is a big deal because they have yeah. not been in touch at all yeah. since, since essentially they fired, fired, fired their yeah. founding basis. So Wolfie could play bass. Right. And there is apparently a treasure trove of album ready material, both from the Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth eras that they're going to put out. That I'm, pretty excited, excited about, that I'm pretty excited about, about that. I'd be it's more like excited. Eddie rising from the dead. I'd be more excited. I, yeah, I hear you. But the stuff that's in the vault is usually there because it's not as good as the stuff that has been released. Into yeah, the I world. mean, they may all need money. That's fine. But that, that I'd doesn't still... bother me. The the money isn't the part that bothers me. It's just the quality of the. I don't. I'm. I don't know if it's going to be up to their. To their. I'm willing to give it a listen, man. I don't have to buy the albums. True. You know yeah. what? I you know what? I, thought, I thought you were going to say that. Uh, Michael Anthony and Alex Van Halen were talking, and they're gonna they're gonna include Wolfie Van Halen and there is like, that. try to reform. No, there's there's that too. There's they're thinking about an Eddie tribute that will include Dave, Sammy, really, Michael, Wolfie, and Alex, and then yeah. a whole bunch of other like insane yeah. guitarists um, to, to as a to try to and, and it'll be a tour. Much, it'll be a yeah. tour. Interesting. So as we know, Diamond David's Diamond David Lee Ross's voice is not what it used to be. It's not very good. It's not good. Anymore. It wasn't very good to begin with. It's no, no. it's not not so good these days. Now that he's like seventy, whatever, however old he is. Yeah, yeah. And now that Eddie's gone. All right, yeah. all right. Okay, we're so out. we're back, and we're now back. we got this done. We're back. We're almost at the end of the season. Though. Wow, wow. 
Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. So gear up for the next bunch of episodes, and then. And, and if anybody out there needs a tenth man, you know where to find me. Yeah. All right. We're out. See ya. See ya.